Welcome to A Magical Life, Health, Wealth and Weight Loss. I'm your host, Magic Barclay, Lead Practitioner at Holistic Natural Health Australia and number one best-selling author. In this podcast, I aim to give you practical tips on how to accelerate and sustain your health, increase your financial, spiritual and emotional wealth and to look at something that haunts many of us needlessly, weight loss. In some episodes, I'll have guests available to give you even more tips, but in others, the floor is yours. Drop us a line at A Magical Life Podcast on Facebook and let me know what you would like to know more about. Now, sit back and enjoy, because it is time for you to create and truly discover a magical life. Welcome back to A Magical Life. I'm your host, Magic Barclay, and I'm here today to talk about cancer. In fact, something I say often to people is, it's only cancer, and that's because of my life experience with it myself. I'm talking today to lovely Sophie Woodcock, who is not only my very good friend, but one of my gorgeous clients, and Sophie is going through her own battle with cancer at the moment. Welcome, Sophie. Hello, Magic. Now, Sophie, we've had numerous chats. This is, just for the listeners, this podcast is a bit different to how all the others go. This is more a bit of a vent and a public service announcement. So, Sophie, we've had a lot of chats about when you get a diagnosis of cancer, especially late stage cancer, how certain things tend to happen in your life. Now, the first one we're going to tackle is your friends seem to disappear. What would you have to say about that? In the very beginning of this journey, you you told me that 50% of your friends will be the same. I think the other half, 50% will be terrified. But those that weren't your friends will gen- and those that will surprise you generally step up and fill that void so although you lose the vast majority of your friends that run for the hill you gain new friends in unexpected places so true and something that i found and i know we've discussed this that you found as well is people almost treat you like you're made of porcelain or fine crystal or something like they're just too scared to interact with you that I think is definitely right about that um I don't think I've gone out or if you took COVID out of the situation I don't think I've been invited out for coffee or for dinner for you know at least since the start of the year wow and I think you know whether it's cancer or any other diagnosis I think the important thing people need to realize is that you still need to invite people places it's totally up to them if they say no but it's more hurtful if you don't invite them because you know with social media and phones and everything that we've got it's highly probable that they'll know that you're going out for dinner and being left out is worse than having to say no wouldn't you say definitely agree with that one because you you see everything on social media like you're saying on Facebook. So, you know, people are having a life and you just sort of, you hope the best that they're not avoiding you on purpose. But um, I, 
it's hard to explain. You can only show them that you're not breakable, but you can't tell them that you're not breakable. But for the vast majority, I think I am stronger and healthier than most of my friends. You know, if I go and help out in the sanctuary or in a rescue, I think I hold my own. And you would think hopefully that proves to them that, you know, I can drive at night and have dinner with them and a few drinks and come home again. Totally. Now, Sophie, before you got your diagnosis, you'd had some ongoing health issues already. What would you say for you that you found the top tips to accelerating your health have been? Plant-based meat diet, good support network, get you out of the house, get you moving, get you doing things. I think getting the right treatment team of having sort of a holistic approach and probably mainly diet and exercise. Now, we met through the world of rescued greyhounds. What influence have your pets had on you wanting to get well? I think they are the reason I want to get well. Um, If your friends don't come and help you, take you out, you have to walk the dog. You, know, you spend most of your time at home, so they become your mates. One thing I'm, I must be able to do when I, um, I'm at the gym or I have any kind of fitness assessment, I, I always say I need to lift the dog in the car if something happens. So that's the, the minimum that I want to be able to lift and at least walk 10 metres to the car. So from a health perspective, I need to be able to lift them from a mental health perspective, um, they are fantastic at listening to your secrets and not telling anyone when you're crying in their fur. <laughs> I love that. And big shout out there to Casper, the friendly ghost, your dog, who is a great listener to one and all. Now, what would be your top tips in creating wealth? When we talk wealth, we're talking not just financial, but emotional and spiritual. I am very much into the mindfulness-based kind of healing, actually taking the time to acknowledge your sadness and acknowledge your happiness. I think that's really key there, Soph, that, you know, when we get a diagnosis of of cancer, especially late-stage cancer, you actually have to accept how you feel about it. And you have to really come to terms with it before you can move on from that label. You have to understand that the sadness is okay, but that there's positives to come from it also. Yeah, and you can enjoy the sadness or appreciate the sadness and know that it is what it is. You don't actually get to appreciate the happiness in quite a powerful sort of spiritual way. As long as you know that the sadness is coming or you're having a bad day, you, you know how to preempt that and you, you're able to say today is not a good day. You can message your coach to give you a kick up the pants as well. Yeah, but it makes the good days better because you can acknowledge the bad days for what they are. That's great. Now, something, Soph, that I found when I got sick, I'd already released my book about weight loss. It was a number one bestseller was when I got sick with cancer, my weight started coming back. And I think a lot of people have a misconception that all cancer sufferers are going to be, you know, like bony, skinny, 
And you and I have both discussed our weight issues post-diagnosis and weight being a symptom of the cancer itself. How have you coped with fluctuating weight? I ring you up and complain very often, I think. <laughs> um, I, I have a, a couple of different size wardrobes, but uh, again, exercise um, I think is the best for me. If I can move, I seem to be happy upstairs. If I'm still moving, I can only maybe tone up so I can't really get too angry at myself or putting the weight on but you have to learn that you know the concoction that you have you know some months you'll lose weight then the moon will align with a different planet and then you'll start putting the weight on but at the end of the day as long as I can move and get around and I'm happy in myself then I really don't care what other people think of me. No that's great uh so when you get the diagnosis Let's kind of go back in time a little bit here that I know for myself, I felt like the girl out of The Exorcist with my head spinning around on my shoulders. What goes through your mind when they tell you it's cancer? I think for me, for the first three or four days, all you hear is cancer, C word, cancer, C word, cancer, C word. Nothing goes in, nothing goes out. You go through life like nothing's happened, but the word is just continuously on replay. And then you catastrophize because no one tells you what's going on. Um, For me, I got thrown into hospital, so I didn't have pets around me. I didn't have family around me, although it was a lovely hospital with disgusting food but that is another story. Um, It was lovely, but it wasn't a nice place to try and learn to live with your diagnosis. And it doesn't help your family, I don't think, to come to terms with your diagnosis when you're suddenly removed and treated like you're breakable. Mm, That's very true. And how did you bring your family along on this journey with you? Uh, I think I tortured them by just saying, if I have to do it, you have to do it with me. So if I had radiation, I would drag family and friends down with me while I had radiation. Um, When I have scans, they have to come too. If I have to have a green liquid diet, then they have to go through it too. If I lose all my hair and shave it off, they will have to also do it too. (laughs) And I think, you know, it's really important to understand that when we have this diagnosis, we've got a million and one things going on in our own heads. As we discussed just before, not inviting us out makes things worse. What would be the top three things that people could do to help you once you've got a diagnosis? I'd say just be there. If you can't leave the house or do something, go for a drive. Just get the person moving. Be there. You don't really need to talk about the cancer. Just watch a movie. But sort of invite them. People always say to me, oh, you know, we're going for a dog walk, but it'll be too hard for you. Um, Let me be the judge of what's too hard. 
I'd say basically just be there, be a sounding board. Um, in a way, it's hard to answer because I've had quite good support from my close friends. So it's hard for me to sit there and go, what have they done for me? Where they would probably be going, yes, I just listen to her sound like a broken record all the time. I would say don't be scared of the word cancer. It's only a word. I'm having an ankle operation that's going to be far more debilitating to me for six months than the cancer has been. And one has a terrible diagnosis and outcome that terrifies the world and the other one is, you know, something athletes would be proud of having. So true. I think our wider communities and and families put this supposition onto us. And, you know, it's not just in the social realms. It's almost like we can't talk for long on the phone or, like you said, we'll go on the dog walk without them. It's just so important to keep people in your community, in your social circles, whether it's cancer, whether it's heart issues, whether it's a disability, whether it's a mental health concern, you still have to involve people and let them be the judge of what they are or are not capable of. Now, Sophie, we're both animal lovers and you have this uncanny knack of bringing animals into your family that are NQR, for (laughs) want of a better expression. How have you found coping with loss of your gorgeous animals when you're dealing with something so personal as your cancer? In some ways, it's made it a little easier, which in my mind makes me sound a little bit more callous. But I can't get, in my mind, too upset over the death of an animal when I'm looking at doing the same thing. And if dying is such a terrible thing, then I will really have to get upset about going there. But I'm at peace about going there. I like to think there is a happy hunting ground or a rainbow bridge, not so much heaven and hell, but it gives me peace knowing that I'll be able to see them again. So losing them is not so, for me, I guess, traumatic. And for other family members, I think I have to sort of try and make it a jovial thing because I'll be doing that to them at some stage. Yeah, definitely. When I got my diagnosis, you know, my first thought was I can't leave my kids behind. And my second thought was now I can't leave my pets behind. But my third one was I get to see the ones that have crossed the rainbow bridge already. And I get to be there and cuddle them and pat them. And, you know, we'll, we'll be in a place of no pain and no fear again together. So I think that's really important for people that get a diagnosis to be okay with the people and the pets around you. They're there to support you. And should you lose someone from your inner circle and they cross the rainbow bridge before you, don't fear that they're gone because you will see them again one day. Whatever you believe in, heaven, rainbow bridge, happy hunting ground, whatever it is, wouldn't you say? Definitely. But if you do the calculations, I probably have uh, 
more animal friends there than here. So it's about love and family. She numbers. I have more friends over there than over here. <laughs> We've still got me. <laughs> yeah. Now, listeners, I titled this It's Only Cancer. And I know a few of you probably thought, well, she must be mad because, you know, cancer is such a scary thing. But if we've learnt anything from this episode, it's that it is just a label. As with any other medical label, it's a diagnosis, it's a name, it's not your life. And Sophie and I have talked about this at length, that the person who has the cancer is still the person. They are not the cancer. Don't go treating people, first of all, like they're breakable or like, you know, she's not going to accept this invitation, so let's not bother. Um, But treat them as the person that you knew before they got the diagnosis. What do you have to say to that, Soph? I think you're right. And, on you know, I look at it as I have been given a chance and permission to enjoy life, see life. I'm aiming for quality, not quantity. And a lot of people plod through life and wait for retirement before they travel or get the animal they've always wanted to do or have the sea change. But I've just been given the hint that I don't do that. So I will be able to achieve most of my dreams or my bucket list because I have been diagnosed with cancer. So when it comes at the end of the day, I probably will have a more exciting short life and permission to enjoy it than the next person. Now, talking about your bucket list, you went last year to Africa. What was the most exhilarating part of your trip? The main reason? To track to see the mountain gorillas. I also spent time in an elephant orphanage that was just pure heaven. I would have to say nearly the entire trip I fell in love with Kenya and I think the entire trip was exhilarating. People were so kind and responsive to the situation um, that I got to do many things that I would never be allowed to do in Australia, go horseback riding with rhinos and other wild animals, even when I haven't got it on a horse for nearly 20 years back home. Um, so that was that was the most amazing experience. Meeting as many rhinos as I possibly could along the way. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) Now, we talk here a lot about environmental connection in that humans are only one species. And to be healthy, we need to connect to the environment and the other creatures in it. When you were over in Kenya and you got to appreciate some baby animals having what would undoubtedly be the worst day of their lives when their mothers are cruelly taken from them. How did you feel connected to them at that point and how did that help your health? I think they get on with life, although they've had the worst time of their life. They are still plodding forward and their story is so much worse 
than mine and they can get along with life and not carry this baggage with them. They'll have their own baggage, but at the end of the day, they'll put one foot in front of another. You know, they'll know that they don't have a big family, but they get on with life. That's fantastic. And they do it well. Yeah, they do. Now, some top tips here from our discussion for the listeners. The first thing is it's only cancer. It's a name, a diagnosis, a label, but it's not who the person is. The second would be appreciate every day that you have, whether you get this diagnosis or not. Live to your fullest potential and really embrace opportunities that come to you, such as the animals do in in the orphanages. And the third thing is don't make judgments on people. They may have a diagnosis, but it's not up to you to decide what they are or are not capable of. Is there anything else you would add to that, Sophie? I will say when people say something negative about cancer, it says, but it gives me a permission to live, which means live each day as it's my last. Try not to be angry. I know it's easier said than done, but it all takes energy. At the end of the day, it's mindfulness, but just give yourself permission to be happy and have fun. Thanks very much for your time today, Sophie. I know that we've had numerous discussions on this topic and I'm really glad that we could bring it to our listeners here on the podcast. For now, everyone, go forth and create your magical life. And I will just let you know that in the next episode, we will be talking about nutritional choices, how to cater for fussy families with a varied diet, and how to create balanced meals for everyone in your home. So that will be our next episode. We have some very exciting guests coming up soon. We have uh, Don Tolman coming up in the future, the whole food medicine man. We have Benjamin J. Harvey of Authentic Education. We have uh, some fabulous guests lined up. So please do keep sharing this podcast, send us a review. If you have any listener questions, jump onto our Facebook handles and we will bring you as much information as we can. But for now, go create your magical life. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to hear future episodes, leave a review and share this podcast. You can follow us on Facebook at A Magical Life Podcast or at Holistic Natural Health Australia. That's holistic with a W. You can find us on Instagram at Holistic Natural Health or at www.holisticnaturalhealth.com.au. That's where you'll access all sorts of articles, freebies and more.